Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to go into God's Word, Luke chapter 18. Um, just as a reminder for our youth, we have winter camp coming up November 20th through 23rd, and the early bird deadline for that is this week. So parents, if you have a teenager that you want to send to winter camp this Thursday is the early bird deadline. If you have any questions about that, you can catch me after service. And I would be more than happy to answer those questions for you. There's more information in the bulletin. Uh, it's online registration. The website's in there. Luke chapter 18. We are uh, continuing our series in the words in red. And we're starting for the next couple weeks. We're going to be talking about prayer. And um, in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There is a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? From the very first verse, as Luke is writing his gospel, he makes it very clear why Jesus is telling this story. From the get-go, we know exactly what's going on. Jesus told his disciples a story to what? To show them that they should always pray and never give up. The whole point of this is this idea of persistent prayer, that it's ongoing, that it is all day, every day, and I know that's hard, all day, that we should never that we should always pray and never give up. You know, one thing that stood out to me as I was reading this parable was, who was this woman going to in the parable? She was going to a judge. Who was a judge? Somebody that had the authority and the ability to help her out. I think it's important that we realize that whenever we have something that is a need that's going on in our lives, we know who to go to. How often do we have an issue in our lives and instead of going to God, we go to our friends or our neighbors or our family and we gossip or we'd be like, okay, I have this really big issue and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to solve this problem. And instead of going to God, we go to people. And how many times are those people really able to help us? Maybe a few times here and there, if you're like, hey, I'm really broke. I can't make this month's rent. Can you loan me $100? You might if you have the right friends. But really, who is our provider? Who is it that can heal our bodies when we're struggling with illness, with disease? Who is it that whenever we have family and friends that don't know Christ, who can save them? Is it our friends? Is it our family? It's important that we realize who we're supposed to go to. We are, God is calling us to go to somebody who is an authority, which, of course, is himself. He wants us to go to him with our problems. He has the ability to help us to meet our needs and to answer our prayers. That's something that no human being has the abil ability to do. 
always pray and never give up. Every day, we're to take our needs before God, that we're not supposed to give up, we're not supposed to give in, we're not supposed to be satisfied with unanswered prayers, and because God always gives us an answer, and it's not always what we want, but he will give us an answer if we're faithful and we continue to pursue him day in and day out. God, I need you, and I'm desperate for you. One thing that I've noticed is it's so easy for us to trust God with our eternity, but it's difficult to trust him with our day-to-day lives. I mean, how many of you, you think about it and you're like, okay, Christ came to us 2,000 years ago. None of us saw Jesus with our physical eyes, but we believe that he died for our sins. We also believe that if we accept his salvation, that we also will have an eternity to spend with him in heaven. And we take that, even though that's so far in the future, we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know when his second coming is going to be. But yet we have that faith and that trust that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But how many of us really trust him with today? How many of us trust him with our needs and what's going on in our lives today? How many of us, when we have an issue crop up in our lives, do we take it to God today and say, okay, God, I have this need in my life. And I know that you can meet this need. How many of us go to him on a daily basis? Persistent prayer. It is a daily discipline, a daily spiritual discipline. We are to go to God every day. We are to always pray. We are to never give up. We are to continue seeking God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 also picks up on this. Whenever Paul is saying, never stop praying. Or as the NIV says, pray continually. It's an ongoing thing that we're to pray in our spirit as we're going through our day, as things come up, that we are to continually be giving our hearts to God. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about how we can enter into God, because sometimes, sometimes I think we lack the confidence that God can really meet our needs, that God can really answer our prayers. Sometimes we pray, and I know I've been certainly guilty of this as well. Okay, God, I know you can. Um, if it's your will, will you please? The author of Hebrews says in verse 19 and 22, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. You see, we have, through the blood of Jesus, we can now go into the holy of holies. We can now approach the throne of God. Of God. We don't have to sit back on the sidelines and be shy and be hesitant and saying, okay, God, if you will, if you can, maybe if it's, maybe I can come to you, maybe you're willing, maybe. No, we are to go boldly through the blood of Christ. We now can go boldly into the presence of God. And while we're there, it says, let us go into the presence of God with sincere hearts. Everything that's within us, Fully trusting him, knowing there's a confidence whenever you trust somebody. And I think that sometimes we learn this with our children. I know uh, my five-year-old loves to eat. I like a lot of little boys 
love to eat, and he will boldly walk into my bedroom at 6.30 in the morning and go, I'm hungry, can I have breakfast? I mean, there is no shyness about it. His little brother, three years old, same thing. He'll walk into my room, doesn't matter what time of the day it is, and he'll be like, I'm hungry, I'm ready for pizza rolls, or I'm ready for peanut butter jelly sandwich. Like, he ha- he's not shy at all. Our children come to us with their needs because they're fully confident that they can come into our room, tell us what they want, and they know that we're not going to let them go hungry. They know that we're going to take care of their needs. We're going to provide for them. I'm going to do their laundry. I'm going to find them clothes to wear, and I'm going to find food for them to eat and fix it for them. Shouldn't we be the same way with God? Doesn't God care more about us than we care about our own flesh and blood? our own children that we raise? Like, doesn't God care even more about us? So why shouldn't we be bold in going to God with the things in our lives that are important to us? If it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. We also learn this in, uh, in John's gospel, of the wedding of Cana, as he turned water into wine. We talk often about Jesus' miracles. He healed the sick, and he raised the dead, and he's done all of these wonderful things. But when he create, whenever he created the water into wine, it wasn't about saving a life. It was about saving face. You see, in early day Palestine, a wedding, very much like today, it was a big deal, but part of that was also having enough wine. And so if you ran out of wine, it was like public shame. And of course, Mary goes to Jesus and is like, there's no more wine. And so what does Jesus do? He turns water into wine. It wasn't about saving life. It's about saving face. If it's important to you, it's important to God. It's important that we realize that what's important to us is important to God. He cares about our needs, but he cares so much more deeply than that. So we're to take, take our needs before God to boldly walk into his throne with full faith, with full confidence that God can and will take care of us, that he can and he will meet our needs. Something else that stood out to me was something that the judge said in this parable. He said, um, it said that the judge ignored her for a while, which meant that she kept going to him. It says the widow of that city kept coming to him repeatedly over and over for a while, and he kept ignoring her. And then he finally said, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. She was going to him so much that he was driving him crazy. There had to have been, it had to have been going on for a while if you think that this woman showing up at your door every day is driving you crazy. And he, he says, I'm finally, like, I'm going to see that she gets her justice because she's wearing me out. How quickly do we give up on God if we don't get our answer within a day or within a week or even within a month? How often do we give up on God because he's not fast enough? He doesn't fit into our time schedule. You see, this generation is often called the microwave generation. We expect an answer and we expect it to ding in five minutes or less. But God doesn't work that way. God works whenever we spend time with him, when we spend time in our secret place, on our knees, seeking him, spending time in his presence, boldly entering the throne of God 
sometimes for hours on end, sometimes for days or weeks or months or even years on end. And that's hard to do year after year praying. There is a member of my family that we've been praying for for five or ten plus years. And we're still waiting to see breakthrough in her life, but we're not giving up because she is worth it. And I believe that God can still save her, and it is not too late. And I'm not going to give up on her, and I'm not going to give up on God's ability to reveal himself to her in a way that she has so far had the scales on her eyes. The power of a day. You know, the thought crossed my mind, what if the day before the judge gave her, her his justice... What if the day before she decided this has gone on long enough, this judge does not know God, he's an unjust judge, and he doesn't care about me, he doesn't care about my family, I'm not going to go in tomorrow. Today is the last day, and today is enough. And what if she didn't go on that last day? That's a big what if. Maybe, just maybe, if she had skipped out on that last day, she might not have received her answer. We see a very similar real life story in Daniel chapter 10. One of my favorite passages on prayer and waiting for God. Daniel had received in in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel had received a vision from God, but he did not know what the revelation of that vision was. He didn't know what it meant. And so for three weeks, for 21 days, he fasted and he prayed in morning, noon, and night. He prayed and sought God for the answer of what does this vision mean? You gave me this vision. I don't know what to do with it. And uh, in verse 11, an angel comes to him and says, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And he continued, do not be afraid for the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God Your words were heard. You know, sometimes in our lives, we think that if God doesn't answer us right away, it means that he's deaf. It means that God can't hear us. Maybe I have to pray louder. Maybe I have to pray longer. Maybe I need to do something special, super religious, wear a cross, whatever, so God can hear me. And the angel is telling Daniel that from the very first moment that you set your heart and your mind to seek understanding that God heard you. When you feel that your prayers aren't heard, know that not only were they heard, but they have reached the throne room of heaven, and God has heard you. And in this passage, the angel goes on to talk about how God was sending Daniel this message, but there was a spiritual battle going on. The enemy came to fight the angel that was coming to deliver the message to Daniel. There was a spiritual battle going on. So for three weeks, while Daniel is fasting and praying, morning, noon, and night, there's a spiritual battle going around him that he couldn't see with his physical eyes, but he was faithful to continue to seek God for the answer that he was needing in that moment. He did not give up 21 days fasting and praying and finally at the end he realized why it took so long that there was a spiritual battle going on around him that he was unaware of what if he had only fasted and prayed 20 days what if he gave up saying I've been fasting and praying over two weeks enough is enough God's not going to give me the answer we have to be faithful for however long that it takes to seek God It's important that we don't give up on God because you know what? God hasn't given up on us. 
How many times have we messed up? How many times have we thrown in the towel on God and yet his grace, his mercies are new every morning? Every morning, God's grace, his mercy is new for us and yet we are so quick and so easy to give up on him. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. He has called us his child. He has adopted us into his family. He has saved us from the wrath of hell. And yet we give up way too easy on God. And I know I am guilty of this as well. God is calling us to persistent prayer, to always pray, to never give up. It's not a matter of praying every day to check something off our religious to-do list, like, oh, I prayed today, I'm a good Christian. No, it's a matter of the heart. It is, God, I need you today. You need to be my focus. You need to be my priority. I'm going to start my day by thanking you that I can wake up this morning and know that I'm saved. I'm going to take my needs to you today because I know that you have the authority in my life and you have the ability to meet my needs and to take care of me and my family. Persistent prayer, always praying and never giving up. God wants us to trust him not only with our eternity, but with our today. Desperateness. There was something driving this woman to continue to go towards this judge. She was desperate. How many times... Are we desperate for God? How many times have we reached a place in our life where we're desperate for something, but we don't realize that what we're truly and the most desperate for is God? It's important to realize that only God can fulfill us. C.S. Lewis says that God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel of our spirits. Our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Only God can give us the happiness and the peace and the fulfillment to the longing that is in our hearts. When is God going to be enough for us? We can search, we can seek to make all the money in the world to have a big family and a large house and loud motor vehicles. That's not going to fulfill our hearts. We can send our kids to the best schools. They can make the best grades, go to Yale, Harvard, and that's not going to fulfill us. Only God can fulfill the deepest desires in our heart. And we need to be desperate for him. We need to be desperate for God. And as we go into his presence to seek him as if today is my last day. Because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So what if this is your last chance to pray? Get it all out there. God, I need you more today than I ever have before. God, I need you in my life, I need your spirit to work through me. God, I have coworkers, I have friends that don't know you. Today is the last day of my life. I need you to fill me with your spirit that I may speak the truth into their hearts so they might experience you as well. 
every day. Every day, the power of the day. It's not about the one day, it's about the every day. Being faithful. Being faithful. Spending each and every day setting aside time for God, and that has to be a priority in our lives. And it's so easy, and I know it's easy. I'm a mom of three children who need my help tying shoes and buttoning buttons and fixing breakfast. Like, I get it. Life gets busy. But if we spend today too busy for God, and then we spend tomorrow too busy for God, and the next day, and the next day, and we're too busy for God, what would happen if we were to die and we meet God and he says, I'm too busy. Go. It's a sobering thought if we treated, if God treated us the way that we treat him. What if we tell God, you're not my priority, and then when we are ready, God says, you're going to have to wait in line. I've got other people. Thankfully, God is not like that. God is available to us whenever we are willing to approach him. That is the beauty of God is he is not like us. He is so much greater. He is so much above us. He's a lot more patient than we are. And when we are ready to seek him, he's always there. He never leaves us hanging. Sometimes it's hard to hear his voice, but he's there. And he's calling us. He is calling us. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Maybe you're in here and you're like, why should I pray? Why is it important? Why, do I, why should I even care about God? And the answer is, God loves you. And he has filled you with a purpose. He made you on purpose for purpose. And sometimes I've had a lot of students ask me, well, what's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be when I grow up? What does God want me? And the first thing I always say is your number one purpose in life is to worship God. That is every single believer, every single person on this planet that God created, he created us for worship. We are to worship God. And as we worship God, the next thing is to get into his word. Because this book right here will tell us what our purpose is. It is filled with the way, with commandments on how he's, we're supposed to live, how the standards that God has for us, they're not easily achievable, but they're there. That's what we should strive to be. And as we seek God, as we pray, as we dig into his word, then he will tell you specifically what he has for your life. He's given you giftings, he's given you plan, and he's put a call on your life. But we have to be persistent in prayer. We have to be consistently seeking him because if we're not spending time with God, how can he speak his plans over us to us? Our worship team will go ahead and come up. I want to challenge you today to spend time in prayer to God this week. And remember, it's not about the one day. It's not good enough just to come and spend two hours in the church service and pray and then go home and not do it again until next Sunday. 
God doesn't want your one day. He wants your every day. Persistently, consistently seeking after God, going after him. He wants your faithfulness, not just for eternity, but he wants you to trust him with today as well. And he wants us to desperately seek him. Because there's nothing else in this world that is more important than him. And our relationship with him. He sent his son to die on a cross to pay the price so we could have a relationship with him. If he was willing to give up so much for us, how much are we willing to give up for him?